0: This is your host, Dr. Mansi Mashabaz. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. I'm so happy to be here with you. And I have the pleasure of welcoming Professor Dana Hilton to my roundtable today. Hello, Donna.
1: Hello, Mency. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you for coming. I'm so <laughs> thrilled to have you. You know, you and I know each other quite we well. Go back a ways, yes. We ca- and you know, we work on the uh, same place for a while, a few mm-hmm. years. I think I ran away a little bit earlier than <laughs> and do you have a memory or thought you want to share? Oh, you mean of us working together? Anything, yeah, anything that is familiar to both of us. I uh,
1: well I just I just remember meeting you at Middlesex and thinking about how poised you were and, and how full of grace you were and even if you were under pressure or if you were stressed, no one in the world would ever know because your demeanor was always just so calm and so controlled. <laughs> and I always walked away from any kind of exchanges with you thinking, wow, this lady is so cool. She's she's just like fire under pressure. Oh, but thank cool you. Cool as a cucumber, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I learned that from my grandmother. She always was calm and Oh, no matter funny. what was going on in the exterior, she never let it on. Right, so yeah. you don't get people to pick at you even more when they see you, you know, flustered. Because you, right.
1: know, so. you so, never, you were never flustered, Mincy, and I've always
0: remembered that. Oh, thank you. And the memory I have of you, and you know, we were in two different buildings, right. Mm-hmm. And I know there aren't a lot of people like us on campus, Black people, and women especially. And you also did the same thing for me because really? I looked at you and I thought, OK, she's calm and, you know, collected. And I never saw you angry or and we were dealing with quite a lot. We were. And
1: so I think I think we knew how to pull on some inner strength. Yes. And some heavenly assistance all along the way. We certainly knew how to pull on it.
0: That was the only way to do it. That was mm-hmm. the in mm-hmm. my opinion, right? Because mm-hmm. otherwise, there was no way we could have survived. That. Survived. Yeah. Absolutely. Survived. Absolutely. I'm so happy to see you. Now, in the last couple of years, we've had COVID has changed quite a bit for all of us. Uh, any thoughts, any takeaways from that experience?
1: COVID has changed us in so many ways. I remember when we were just getting into it, I was teaching a semesters course, you know, my classes were all on campus. We were in a good rhythm. We were planning, not only were we teaching classes, but we were planning for events. As a matter of fact, leaving work this afternoon, some members of my staff there were just saying we were planning for tech fest. Remember, remember You're Tech right. Fest, which is a big technology festival that we were going to have on campus. We were getting ready for that. And then, bam, we went away on spring break and we never returned. Yeah. Exactly. So all of the students that I was serving in an in-person format, we had to completely pivot and be totally online. So it stretched us, it yeah. stretched us. And because I had I had taught online before. It wasn't it wasn't a huge deal, but for many of our students, it was. So we had to go out of our way to make sure to give them the special attention and the special care that was needed. And quite honestly, the people who I served in person, I started to serve them in this format. It wasn't Zoom. We weren't using Zoom, but it was a product very similar to Zoom. And I would come in in the mornings and I would see my little students. We called it meeting in the rectangle. And they were there just to, you know, just to be engaged in the learning. And it forced us as as teachers to find new methods of engaging our students. It forced us to to be a lot more empathetic towards our students because some of them just emotionally couldn't handle the upheaval that Mm -hmm. this pandemic just thrust Mm -hmm. them into. So... It stretched us. It stretched us. And we made the, the changes necessary, even with respect to running campus, things like clubs. You know, I was in charge of the computer club on campus.
0: Yes, yes.
1: So COVID pushed us to figure out, well, we don't want the computer club to cease existing just because there's a pandemic. And I and I said to them, I said, we are the
0: computer club. club. You can do something. We, different.
1: we <laughs> do technology. Nancy, we, cre- we became creative about how we're gonna meet with students. We picked up new members during the pandemic and we met every week on a Webex like this. They figured out how to play games and do all kinds of creative things. So it stretched us and it caused us to grow in ways that we didn't anticipate. And then another hat that I wear, as you know, my husband and I are pastors at Shiloh Christian Church. And when the pandemic hit and nobody could meet in person, we became very creative there as well and we had we had a span of maybe about 6 months where nobody came to the building but again talk about a growth opportunity we had to figure out ways to to support the congregants we had to figure out ways to put services at their disposal we got very proficient at streaming services we pre-recorded and launched on facebook we were on youtube And we were intentional. I think, I think if there's a word that COVID has forced upon us is this concept of intentionality. Right. So you don't just stumble upon people as you go in and out of, you know, stores or traffic around the community. So how do you interact? You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional about making the phone calls to check on people. You have to be intentional about, you know, about making yourself available through various formats so that you can continue to connect with people. Yeah, and the connection,
0: um, be, is, connection is very important,
1: right? Very important. Yeah. You also have to anticipate maybe where, what some people may be going through. Not everybody's gonna be able to access technology in this pandemic, so so you get to doing things differently. Sending out mail. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got creative, and so we say some of our older members aren't going to be able to come on to Zoom and do so. There, there's the mail or there's the phone call, you know. So I think it's it's stretched us and it's made us, I believe, more compassionate people because if not for the grace of God, we could have been taken out with COVID. I'll, I'll, yes, so, yes. So it's it's gut wrenching, it's heartbreaking to see so many people. Deep- Mm-hmm. who have been impacted, so many people who've lost loved ones. So it's made us a lot more sensitive about her, our humanity, I think, as I, a whole.
0: I think so, too. And, you know, I, the things I learned, especially being a distance away from family, and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know how people are and you worry and stuff, made us, I think, come closer during that period yes. of time, right? Because we realized mm-hmm. that it could, I mean, anything could have happened to any other Exactly, exactly. And how many birthday
1: parties have you held on Zoom, right? Oh, yeah, that was fun.
0: You know, we bring our drinks and everything on the screen and, you know, celebrate each other. Whereas before, we took for granted that we could drive anywhere, anytime. And do anything, right? do anything.
1: My my church blessed me so much on a significant birthday I had in the middle of the pandemic. They wanted to celebrate me. And so they had a drive-by birthday party.
2: Oh, Instead oh, that's of a cool. tent in yes. front of the church,
1: there, they put me to sit on this chair. There were balloons and decorations and people drove by and, you know, I walked up to the car waving or with a mask, whatever it was, but it was yeah. just, you know, like
0: I said, you become creative yeah. because yeah. you want to retain those connections. That is beautiful. Now, what led you to this path? You have an inspiring story, life story. And, you know, I want our listeners to, you know, t- Chime into some of it to get to know you a little bit more. What brought you to the the path you're on? What brought me to the path that I'm on? Now that I'm older
1: and wiser, I would have to say that the Lord brought me to the path that I'm on. Ultimately, it was his chessboard that moved my life around. But if I were to put it in the natural context, I would tell you that when I graduated from college, I was this young woman who had all the ambitions in the world to become a programmer. And I wanted to become a a computer programmer in New York because I lived in New York at the time. And unfortunately, most of the places that I applied to wanted someone with programming experience. So
0: you tell me, how do you have programming you have experience, experience if you, nobody will give you a chance, right?
1: <laughs> so I sat in my house for about three months, sort of languishes languishing in this state of, I want a job and nobody will hire me. What am I going to do? Well, lo and behold, one day a letter comes in the mail and it was from a company in Hartford, Connecticut. Okay. They had come to my campus during a recruiting fair. And, you know, all of our professors told us, go to these go to these booths and give them your resume. You know, we're all dressed in the business attire. So exactly. Make-
0: Looking professional, right?
1: Looking professional, giving them our resume, not really knowing what was going to come of it, because there were so many companies there. Well, after being told by several, several um, companies that they wouldn't take me without experience, Here comes this letter in the mail saying, we would like to have you to come for an interview because we would like to consider you for an entry-level programming position. Mm -hmm. And it came with three months of training. Well, needless to say, it wasn't in my plan to come to Connecticut. It wasn't in my plan or desire to come to Connecticut. If you had told me that I'm heading south to Florida or Georgia, yes, but not to Connecticut. Not Connecticut, right? (laughs) But I came up for the interview, Mency. I I met whatever they were looking for. I was offered a job. They offered to relocate me to Connecticut. They said that you would be put in a three-month training program for programmers. All programmers were gonna go through that. And at the end, if you made the grade, you would be assigned a job. So Needless to say, I jumped at the opportunity. And I remember telling my mother when I was leaving New York, I said, two years, I will stay in Connecticut for two years. (laughs) And then I'm going to be back. (laughs) I'm going to be back in New York because New York is where I thought I wanted to be. And lo and behold, I was hired as a programmer and I worked at that job for about 12 years. Mm -hmm. After doing that for 12 years, I took some time to be a stay-at-home mom because in the process... of working. I was, I was married shortly after moving to Connecticut. And then about four years later, we started having our children. I became a mom who was trying to do this juggle, you know, working as a programmer. I was by then managing systems, raising three kids. So I took, I took some time off to be a stay-at-home mom. And after being at home for a while, I decided I wanted to go back to the workplace, but not back to the Maybe not back to the pressure of the corporate world, maybe something a little yeah. bit scaled back. Mm-hmm. And I found that Middlesex Community College was hiring for an adjunct position.
0: Well, you know, and I didn't know you were an adjunct,
1: right? Initially I was. I started in '97 as an adjunct. And my youngest was, she, I don't think she was even a year old when I started. So I was, I was between, okay, I'm I'm teaching, but I'm also a mommy at home. I'm doing that kind of dance. So what led me into Connecticut was definitely the opportunity to be hired in my discipline. And then what led me to teaching was the desire to have more of a balanced career that would allow me to have mom-friendly hours, summers off when the kids were out of school, flexibility around schedule so I could be there for after-school activities, et cetera. And then the last commitment that that I have with with my nonprofit, that came about as a, a result of a sabbatical. That's a whole other story. But when I look back over my life, I mean, I think about the fact that I came to America right after graduating high school, not even thinking that I wanted to stay in America.
0: Where did much you less come from?
1: I came from Jamaica,
0: Jamaica. Okay.
1: Yeah. Graduated high school and came up here. And again, I'm always making these promises. I told my dad, I said, I just want to come here to go to college and I'll be back. (laughs) So I came here, started college at 16, did college and from college in New York to, to the job in Connecticut, from the job in Connecticut to other opportunities in Connecticut. And in the process of that, my husband, was appointed to pastor the church that we're now pastors of. So I see my life as just being managed ultimately by the Lord. And when he moves me around, it, it, it comes under the guise of a job opportunity or another life change, but it's just an interesting and, and fulfilling path. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, it shows, right? Because, you know, I think, and we didn't tell people what, what you teach. Oh, sure. So I teach. <laughs> so my position
1: at Middlesex is that I'm, I'm actually what we are called a program coordinator. I'm responsible for two degree programs, one called Management Information Systems, which is my undergrad and graduate degrees in that specialization. And the second one is Computer Information Technology. Both degrees really train people to enter the world of IT, either as maybe a first level tech or maybe going into some advanced positions in management but ultimately you know you want to get them prepared so they can go on to a bachelor's program so one degree is more more for transfer the other degree is more career facing and i teach courses within that discipline computer courses in that discipline
0: that's nice that's nice and you know i remember having uh, seen the students in your club you know setting up uh, at was it Founder's Hall?
1: Founder's Hall.
0: So, yeah, yeah. I haven't forgotten. One of the events
1: they loved to do was, and this is maybe the event you're thinking about when they did Gaming Days.
0: Yes, it was fun because my office was just right there, right, and yeah. you know we could see the students all excited coming in, etc. Absolutely loved it. They they still do that, Mincy. Oh,
1: that's they, nice. they have figured out a way to get it done in the daytime because when you were there. We used to do it in the evening hours from like four till nine at night.
0: Yes, I remember. (laughs) And they would
1: love their big computers on campus and set them up and they would play games against each other. It was just, it was just a fun thing to watch.
0: It's nice to see the students excited about something, right? Because coming to uh, college can be a, a little daunting for some of our students, you know, especially the first generation students and yeah. having this kind of activity really gave them, you know, the confidence, right, to do yes. other things the and other branch things. in and participate, etc. So I love that very much. Now I'm going to switch gears a little bit because uh, you have so many other things, beautiful things going on in your life. And I want to have the listeners get the opportunity to learn yeah. about these things, right? Okay, you had sure. a joy camp. Yes. And you, you know, it's adventures and learning. Do you want yes, to share a true. little bit about it?
1: Absolutely. Joy camp. You could probably tell on my face is a joy. It's a joy to our heart. So I'll tell you how joy camp got started. In 1992, my husband was sitting in his office at the church, looking out at the kids in the community, just kind of wandering around in the summertime, not really having much structure they would probably walk to the store back and forth. And he says, you know, I want to engage these kids in something productive. I want to do something for them. So he came up with this idea of having a camp. He would call it Joy Camp. And he thought about how could he get the kids in the community to participate? So he drafted up a flyer. (laughs) and then he and a couple people went into the community and some of some of the kids in the community lived not too far in some low-income housing and so he went over there he went all around the community giving out these fires and telling the parents to send them to this camp and they would be engaged and we set the hours for the camp he told them that he would give them lunch and so 1992 comes and And in the summer of 1992, Joy Camp was born. Well, what we didn't anticipate, Mencee, is that that first year when we sent out the flyer, that about 100 kids, (laughs) which we were not quite prepared for that. And I remember vividly because I happened to be on maternity leave with our third daughter at the time. And so I was coming to camp to drop off the two older ones and rush home to my little baby and when i saw what was going on i said mm-hmm. to my mom who was there with helping me i said we've got our hands full so needless to say joy camp started there and this year we're celebrating joy camp's 30th anniversary oh my and we have consistently met the needs of our the children in our our community since then so what does joy camp involve it involves students learning lessons from the bible values that are important values like treating people with respect and and loving your neighbor and and being good citizens and just principles that are are near and dear to our hearts that are that are taught in the word of god so we do that we also engage them with crafts and activities to play outside because what kid doesn't need to play right? right so joy camp started out being a 9 to 12 program and we found that what was happening is that the children who were leaving joy camp at noontime, some of them didn't have any structure to go home to. So we gave them structure, we gave them meals, we gave them activities and all of this for a block of the day. And then in the afternoon, there was not much going on. And so in 2002, I said to my husband, I said, I want to add on to joy camp, an afternoon program called adventures and learning.
2: Okay, said, so that's just, I,
1: okay. Yeah. So I said, right. I want, so the same kids who sign up for camp, if, if, if they want to stay there all day, we were going to immerse them in the same curriculum in the daytime that we, that we always espouse. But then in the afternoon, in order to reduce that summer slide, where <laughs> they start to forget the academics, we were going to do adventures in learning. We were going to have them do reading and writing and math and science. And we were going to you know, expose them to maybe even the arts during that program. And we were going to do it so that they would be engaged in the mind. And we would, so we brought in people and, and we, we started to, you know, see them write things and do little math activities. And, and then we got students from Wesleyan University coming back, coming through with microscopes and just engaging them. So Adventures in Learning started in 2002, Joy Camp started in 1992 and they've always they've continued to this day. And so they serve the community. We give them breakfast and lunch for free. We've morphed since then to taking them on field trips. Our nonprofit has now kind of adopted Adventures in Learning and converted into into a STEM specific camp, which we can talk about that separately, but Joy Camp has been a passion of ours and it, and it's it's something that we are grateful that Shiloh Christian Church has been able to offer to our community continuously for 30 years.
0: It is beautiful, especially, you know, when you, as you indicate, give these values at a very early age, right? So love thy neighbor because, you know, I I go to church and I'm not talking about my church, particularly because I don't want to make it seem like it's in my church. But generally, where Mm -hmm. at this age, you know, we still struggle with understanding this simple teaching of mm-hmm. loving thy neighbor. neighbor yeah. Right, it it is still not as expansive as I would want to see it in you know, mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though we have Christians all over
2: mm-hmm, the world.
0: Mm-hmm. And yet this simple teaching eludes us a bit, I think. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So having I'll children,
1: tell you this story very quickly, Mency, mm-hmm. but the year before the pandemic hit. We did a program at Joy Camp called, if I'm not getting the exact wording, the essence of it was we are a part of an amazing race or an incredible race. And it was all about talking to the kids about all of the different shades of people, all the different diversity of people. We decorated the entire church with pictures of people from every race known to man. And so we talked to them about the fact that, we're really one people. We just wrapped in different packages. So we had this whole conversation about how our eyes may be different, our hair color may be different, our hair texture may be different, but we're all just one. One. It was a beautiful thing. And, And then we had them explore the continents. Now you fast forward a year, we're dealing with racial tensions in America.
0: Oh my goodness. And
1: we were able to remind our congregation that The lessons that we taught our kids the year before was a beautiful lesson. And we have a multicultural congregation, a multicultural, multiracial camp. And so kids were able to understand that we're really all the same. same, You know,
0: it's so simple, so simple. (laughs) Such a simple concept, such a simple concept. And and it seems complicated. And I don't understand the, the disconnect because even we go to church and as I mentioned, we're supposed to be one, but there's still some deviation from inclusiveness. right? yeah. yeah. You can't just go to any church, you know. You have, even though we are supposed to be neighbors and love right. one another, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. yeah. So but I want to touch part of that. that. That's really nice. I think you know you're setting a, a foundation of really getting the the children as they grow up mm-hmm. recognize how they can impact their respective communities friendships etc you know they yes. won't be limited to just selecting certain people who exactly who look like them right right because i and of
1: I, course underlying all of that message is the fact that god loves us yes all you know, of us equally and that mm-hmm. he, he wants to have a relationship with us we underlie all of that but it's packaged in in ways that children can understand
0: Yeah, because I was thinking the other day, how would I call we are passive Christians if we do not understand the simple message Mm -hmm. and put it in practice, right? You know, so I I was listing things that makes us passive Christians. We'll we'll talk about that another time. (laughs) Me causing trouble again. (laughs) (laughs) You, You also, and I'll touch on this because it's important, you working with the youth about STEM Yes, programs. You know, attracted. How did that start? And how did that start? Here we go. Here we go. So
1: here we go. In 2016, I had I had to do a report for my college to show some data as to how the program had progressed over the years. And in collecting that data, I stumbled upon a statistic that I had kind of surmised, but I didn't. It didn't hit me until I saw it on paper that in the whole existence of my IT degrees, when I told you that I'm in charge of the IT degree mm-hmm. at Middlesex, in the history of the IT degree that started back in the 70s, there was only one African-American female who had earned the degree in IT.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: In, in my tenure up until 2016, and I was there, I started as an adjunct in, in 1997. In my tenure, I hadn't seen any who looked like me earn the degree that I'm responsible for. Now, that triggered something in me that said, there's something wrong with this picture because Middletown is a very
0: diverse community. community. Very diverse
1: community. I happen to know from my work in the community, my work at my church, that we also have a number of African-American women who especially those who were head of households, who could really benefit from the opportunities that my degree was offering students because the track record was that my students were being hired after earning their IT degree, sometimes before they graduated MNC. They were getting job offers. So there was definitely a need. When you looked across the spectrum of STEM careers, we were just underrepresented. People of color in general, women especially, were just underrepresented. And at the time, our president, who's now moved on, was encouraging faculty members to consider taking a sabbatical leave and to working on something outside of the normal path of their their right. their job. Well, I was eligible for a sabbatical leave. I thought about maybe taking out a time away from my main job and going into the community to try to to do something Significant. I had already been working with Adventures in Learning, so I knew how to interact with the community and with parents. And I thought, you know, maybe I could go into the community and innovate some projects that were specifically centered around raising a culture of STEM among my people, people of color, among women who were not approaching STEM careers or the opportunities in STEM. So I came up with this idea one day. It was it was just like a download. It was literally like I was laying in bed and I could hear in my head steam train. You know, you had you had Harriet Tubman's underground railroad moving people from slavery to freedom. Well, the steam train could move People from that kind of maybe mental or economic slavery into opportunities in the, in, in the fields of science, technology, engineering and math. And it's not a physical train, but it represents movement. I started to write in the dark on my phone this vision to to mobilize initiatives so that we could move people and expose them to these opportunities. So I crafted that into a sabbatical leave and I got I was granted it in 2017. Okay. At the end of 2017 I took 6 months off from my main job and I started to work I transformed adventures in learning into a STEM camp.
2: Oh, Cuz I could beautiful. do that. Right. right. I
1: started to teach my little ones programming. They were learning robotics. We took them to we took them on science field trips. We 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 taught them engineering. It was it was amazing. Brought in professionals and just focused solely on STEM. Awesome. So we got, we got about 90 kids, like eyes open wide to what STEM was all about. Then we did, um, then I said, you know what? I need to grab my teenagers. So we did a camp for teenagers and we taught them how to do mobile programming so that they were not consumers. I said, you don't need to be consumers. Apps, you need to be producers of apps. So we taught them how to write an app for the iOS platform and their eyes got open big. And some of them said, you know what, I think I may want to consider doing computer science in college. So I said, yes, we got two demographics that we hit. And then the last one I wanted to hit were adults. And I was fortunate to have an employer approach me because he wanted to see if we could partner to teach web development. Mm -hmm. And so we came up with this idea that we were going to enlist some adults and teach them web development and see what happens. Well, we had five women of color, come into our pilot program. We taught them how to develop websites and he hired one of them right out of it.
0: Oh my goodness. So she went
1: from single mom of two kids, no technical skills, struggling to kind of find her way in the world to being hired by this gentleman to be an apprentice in web development so that her world could open up. So after doing that for the sabbatical leave Menci, I said, wow. One, I recognized that there's a need for this in the community. And two, I realized that I had resources that I could mobilize
2: mm-hmm. to
1: influence people of color and can, so that their eyes could be open to STEM. So I had, I had a group of- You know, of I, I
0: want you describing this and your hearts is just so open. It's so beautiful to watch. Right. So
1: after the sabbatical, I told them I said, I have to go back to work. I'm not done. I have to go back to work. And they said, I said, so what do we do with steam train? Because by at that time, steam train was nothing more than the vision of like about 10 people who kind of put their heads together. They said, you can't stop now. We can't stop now. I said, but I'm going back. They said, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. So in 2018, Menci, we incorporated, we became a nonprofit, 5013C. And every program that I've just described to you that we piloted, we have scaled. Wow. So we have gone from we're just doing web development to now we're doing IT support training. We've gone from only teaching our teenagers the software to now we're teaching them the hardware. We're doing, we we, we went from just doing a STEM camp for our children to now partnering with with school districts to bring that same exposure Mm -hmm. to STEM to their students and to bring before them professionals of color, young Black female engineers, Black male programmers, so that they can see themselves as being in this space.
0: That's wonderful. I I would make a referral. Um, I have the Ga Dangbe tribe in my country uh, also trying to recruit young uh, kids uh, to STEM. Right. So, if you don't mind, I'll make a connection there for them to uh, touch base with you and see how they can benefit from this wonderful program that you uh, set up. You we're know. grateful.
1: We feel like we're we're on a mission, and we're so grateful for how God has blessed us to to grow. You can check out our website to see how
0: much it has grown. I have. I have. Oh, you have? <laughs> oh, yes, I did. I did, you know, check it out because I was curious, you know, as to the steam train concept. And I, I remember my childhood going to school, boarding school, you know, from the town I lived in and where I ended up, you know, steam trains back then, you know, through the old country. So, yeah, it, I was I was curious. I was supposed to see train, and I thought right. it might be in excess, something related to that. I I don't know why I thought that, but um. right.
1: So embedded in the name are two meanings. It's, it has a dual meaning. So of course it's science, technology, engineering. Sometimes we do digital arts and then math, okay. but it also is embodied in how we want to do it. So we want to strategically train. Educate, assist, and mentor, and we have all five of those pillars working in the organization.
0: Ah, that's so clever. I love that. <laughs> that's very so we're clever. doing
1: we're doing our part to really mobilize people who may have been marginalized or or <laughs> felt outside of the mainstream of the disciplines of STEM mm-hmm.
0: and STEAM to to consider it.
1: Yeah.
0: We need that. We need that. It's it's urgent need actually. Yeah, right? definitely. So, because we, we see a lot of gaps in our yeah. system and our structures where a lot of people are being left behind. And mm-hmm. that has to change. That has to change. We're in 2022 and you know we're still talking mm-hmm. about the things that could have, should have, right. done, uh, you know. Uh, we're
1: making we're making progress. You but know we, we don't ma- we- have we don't have great numbers to show, but we're making progress. We're making you know,
0: one person at a time, right? That's my mm-hmm. philosophy that, you know, even mm-hmm. the conversation we're having now uh, impacts one person, and you know, for happens. them to learn something from it and take something away from it, you mm-hmm. know, that impacts their life positively. It's good mm-hmm. enough, right? And mm-hmm. it, it can then ripple. Right. But, you know, that is out of our hands. That's God's work. You know, <laughs> right. think, you know, that falls into the divine uh, space. Sure. Right. Sure. And you know, I, I think things flow, flow into being and then expands from there, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It's, it's the you know, downloading something from the divine mind mm-hmm. to really impact everyone else is what this is all about for me. Mm-hmm. So now you you as you're talking, we're talking about children. Etc. And, you know, in my uh, country, we'll say that you have a lot of children, right? Because you can't impact all these lives without you being the mother. You are the mother. I want to ask you, with your own children and the experiences of working with children, what are some of the helpful strategies? So, you know, women face a lot of challenges, you know, in, in our careers, in our relationships, in communities, so many things what stands out to you and a helpful strategy that can they can take to make their lives better? That's a very good
1: question. I think women should not sell themselves short. When when God made male and female, he gave them both dominion in the earth. He wanted them both to be their authentic self Mm -hmm. and make a difference in the way that they he's gifted each of us. Right. So I don't think that women should sell themselves short. And I've had the privilege of raising four daughters. And I just wanted to always have them realize that they can do whatever they set their minds to do. Mm -hmm. So women should not be intimidated. I remember taking my daughter to her first college where she was admitted and she went into the program. And when when they divided the groups, they called for the teachers to go one way. And there were lots of women in that group, but when they call for her group, which is along with, you know, technology, I think she was one of the only ones in that group. And so it was my job to encourage her to not be intimidated to be the only woman in a predominantly male, male discipline,
2: exactly.
1: male discipline, because I wanted her to know, and I would want any woman to know, that you are just as capable. You're just as capable. Your mind is capable of doing whatever you want to put it to. Will it always be easy? No, no. but you have to set your mind to doing it. And I also encourage my daughters because we're, you know, we're Christians. And so they know that they can also remember that they can do all things through Christ who strengthens them, right? So so where you feel like I'm overwhelmed, I'm stressed, you can also ask the Lord for his help in doing it. So I think that I think that um, women shouldn't take the the back seat and and I'm especially giving that message through through STEAM training, right? I don't want them to be intimidated because they don't see a lot of women in tech or in engineering or in mathematics. I want them to know that they have the capacity to do it if they have the desire to do it right. and they should go for it. They should definitely go for it.
0: Well, I, I agree with you on that because, you know, I'm, I'm as you were speaking about intimidation, and, uh, you know, uh, that word is not in my space at all because no matter, and if I'm fearful about something, which I would say rarely feel, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I believe also with my spiritual practice that I'm being held up, uplifted. Mm-hmm and mm-hmm. strong with that backing so I'm really intimidated yeah, and yeah. in fact, you know I always say you know when I'm very quiet I don't ruffle feathers or whatever but sometimes my calmness is misjudged as a weakness uh, and people try to then step into my space and mm-hmm. I have a, a way of just saying okay no not in my space, you can't, you can't do this here kind of thing. So we should all let our daughters and even our sons, right? Because we want our sons to treat our daughters better
2: Mm -hmm. In,
0: in the world where men seems to dominate, we let go of. And there are times I see things on a few times I watch TV, et cetera, Mm -hmm. There are programs that are making it, oh, boys will be boys or et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But, you know, those behaviors are unbecoming Mm -hmm. and it it impacts our daughters. Mm -hmm. So if you put our daughters in a space and mind to be able to stand up for themselves and with some spiritual practice, that they Mm -hmm. can overcome some of the challenges they face. They, They
1: can. And, and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt to have mentors. It doesn't have, it doesn't hurt to have examples to, to look towards. Mm -hmm. So if you're the first one doing it, you may feel like, oh, I don't belong. You may feel like you're, you're almost like a trespasser in a, in a place where you don't belong. But if somebody can come alongside and say, no, you, you very much belong here. And I have been where you are and, and I've made it through. That is the encouragement. Sometimes you just have to come on either side. And right. help them. We're doing that right now. We have a program that is training for IT jobs. And we just so happen to have more women in our current class than males. They're, they're outnumbered, which is which is really cool. It's exciting. Um, but we also realize that, you know, when they get out there into the world of work, it may be a little bit intimidating. So even before getting out there. We have been so blessed to come into a partnership with a with an, a professional IT organization, and some of those women who are, you know, IT VPs or directors or managers, whatever their roles are, they have agreed to come alongside our women who are still being trained and link up with them one on one as mentors.
2: That's nice. So
1: that they will be able to speak into their lives words of encouragement right. when they feel that they can't. They can't approach this because I can't tell you how many times I've been in positions where I was a the only woman, mm. b the only black black woman.
2: Mm-hmm. Just, many times, uh-huh. over,
1: many, many times, and I can't tell you the the comments that have been made to me, the derogatory statements that I've heard along my career.
0: We, we live um, that experience. Um, I've lived that experience.
1: I've and, lived that experience.
0: And, and I think when we. Step out and do the work you are doing and the work that I do. That we let others know that there's a pathway to mm-hmm. bypassing all that negativity mm-hmm. and all that mm-hmm. effort to make you feel like you're out of your space. You mm-hmm. know, the space belongs to all of us equally. And we don't have to get entangled in the environment out there, that mm-hmm. it, it, we pull it from within.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And from within, goes out then you are able to impact that without people being able to really touch you in any shape or form that's right that's
1: right there's a scripture that comes to mind as you were talking and it's don't be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good so no matter where how you define evil whatever the negative is you don't have to be overcome by it right right. just overcome it with good you know right
0: you know, mm-hmm. and be able to sometimes just rub it off. Brush it off. Just brush it off. <laughs> brush it off. It like a out.
1: duck, right? Let the water run off your back like a duck. Exactly.
0: You know, it's, it moves, it moves. Now, you've been on a humanitarian mission. Can you give us a favorite one?
1: Oh, my goodness. There have been many that I loved. I probably would pick the one that took us to Italy. Mm-hmm. In what year was it? 2006, I believe. We went with a group to Italy and we did a missions trip in a town called Fondi. And while there, the group that we we worked with is called Crisis the Answer Ministries and they've been there for, for decades. So we took a group of about 30 people with us. And in the group, we had people who did dance and did mime, who, you know, taught the word, they, they did various things. And so our host organized an outing to a festival in a town called Fondi. Well, what we didn't know is that when we went into this, this town square, that it seems like hundreds of people (laughs) were gathered to see these Americans. And we had, we had, I was a part of the choir and we had rehearsed songs in, in English and and we even learned some songs in Italian. Well, the song that they really loved was Oh Happy Day. <laughs> and you had to yeah. see it. You had to see this group of people. You know, they were just mesmerized as they gathered around and as we were under this the open sky singing Oh Happy Day. My husband has the video and we were just watching it maybe about a month ago. And we're saying that was so cool. They were people in the square were dancing, they were singing, they were just they just, they just enjoyed us being there. And we enjoyed sharing our gifts and the love of God with them. And then we had a group that did this incredible hip hop dance. They probably were like, what is this? <laughs> They'd never seen that before. It was, it was so much fun. And then as a part of the, the trip, obviously we did ministry and we, we taught the word and performed in different things, but we also had a chance to do an excursion to Rome and we got to do a walking tour of all the major sites. And we took, we had a bunch of teenagers on the trip. So it was nice to open their, their eyes to the world and to the different cultures. And
0: it was just a great. That is beautiful. You know, um, I used to live in Italy for about eight years.
2: I didn't know that. (laughs) Yes. I didn't know. That's my favorite.
0: I was in Rome. I was based in Rome, but then I traveled all over. So I know the landscape very well, quite a lot of friends and stuff. In fact, you know, I uh, took a picture. I'll share that photo with you. I had an Italian uh, family that, Actually, the ones in my building were all either inviting me to dinner. I never ate at my home to the point where there were times I was trying to dodge the time I came home so they wouldn't see me, you know, because yeah. I wanted to have dinner at home. Um, and they would actually take my daughter then and just take her for the dinner. You know, yeah, yeah. I didn't, you know, have to look for babysitting or anything. I had two two women, particularly, you know, my building. Uh, they loved my daughter so much, and they would be going out, you know, like this is my daughter, this is my <laughs> granddaughter, this is my granddaughter. You know, yeah. it was just beautiful. It I, is
1: a wonderful culture, and they were so welcoming of they us. They
0: were, you know, Very I had awesome. a wonderful time.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I
0: lived in an area where. I think back then, that was in uh, late seventies. Back then, I was the only black person in a whole sea of white people,
2: and mm-hmm.
0: not once did I ever feel out of place. That's right. how that's how wonderful they were to me. So yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I can I can attest to that as well.
0: Yeah. So now as, a we, great time. as we as we coming, there are a lot of questions I want to ask you, but you know, time is. This is a part of the conversation that I feel like, oh my God, I want to stretch it another hour. So, <laughs> But, you know, I know you're a very busy lady and let you go. One of the things I want to ask you, you made a statement about inspiring people from all strata of life. Can you share your insight on that? you know, Absolutely. I think Absolutely. it was a very powerful thing. When I read it, that touched me, you know, because, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I I think that we have so much to share. We have so much to share and we should approach each person as an individual regardless of what station they are in life, where they are in this continuum called life. You know, so whether you encounter someone who's homeless or you encounter someone who's a millionaire who just needs direction, you should be able to leave a deposit in their lives based on who you are and what you know of yourself, what you know of God, et cetera. And over the years that we have been in Connecticut, I feel very blessed to have encountered people from all walks of life, all stations in life, whether it's a single mom who's just struggling to make ends meet, the person who Feels like I've achieved everything in life. I have everything that money could buy, but I'm still feeling a little bit empty inside, regardless of what their, like I said, their station or the strata. Uh, of, You know, sometimes we we stratify, right? Don't we right, stratify right. Our, our world? Right? And we say this one is this. No, this I one is here, we,
0: and therefore doesn't fit. You know, we yes, label exactly.
1: Numbers, right? We and, no, no, no. We should we should encounter each individual. With God's love and em- embrace them. See how you can make a difference in their lives. Make yourself available and and be intentional about just just showing them that you care. Right. You know, a, a part of my a part of my background, it, it wouldn't you wouldn't know it now, but I wanted to be a psychologist and I wanted to help people with wherever they were in life, with whatever their issues were. I wanted to be able to help them. I didn't end up becoming a psychologist, but the Lord put me in a helping, in a helping profession. And so whether it's dealing with students at Middlesex, you know, I, I've said, I've seen students from every description there is, there is a part of the human composition that needs another human to touch it. And sometimes we need to know that we need to touch it with compassion. We need to touch it with love. We need to touch our brothers and sisters with empathy. And I think that we can all make this world a huge, so much better place if we just learn how to embrace people and love them. Just for who they are. Just for who they are. and, And not only love them, but try to encourage and empower them to be their best selves.
0: Exactly. I agree with you completely. And, you know, from everything we've talked about so far, you've made it quite clear that you strive, uh, to, you know, to do things with excellently and with humility. And it's, it's really beautiful to see. Before we close, last last comment, you know, I can't <laughs> like to come on to this conversation without asking you what your views are on a woman of power and grace. Who is a woman of power and grace to you?
1: We often refer back to the scriptures. <laughs> when yeah. we think of the Proverbs 31 woman, she's like our role model because she does everything well. She would be the standard that we that we strive to achieve. A woman of power and, and of grace is a woman who embraces her authentic self, who recognizes that she's a daughter of the Most High God, who has a relationship with him. And she becomes a conduit through which his grace and his power can flow. And that could be, you know, an, an old grandma who's right. touching her grandchildren, or it could be the CEO of a, of, a, of a Fortune 500 company. But she understands who she are, who she is because she understands that God has made her special. God mm-hmm. has made her unique. And God has made her an instrument of his grace, his love, and his power.
0: I wrote a poem. Thank you so much. That's beautiful. And I wrote a poem about a woman of power and grace and, you know, I don't have it readily available, but I would, oh, you know, you to hear it? Yes, I was trying to look for it, but I don't, I didn't prepare for this part. So <laughs> <laughs> I would end on that note and say that, you know, I am so, so grateful. And one of the things you talk about, about being intentional and, also being authentic in the way we do our work, right? Mm -hmm. And being ourselves, really, and in Mm -hmm. our relationships, because that is what really resonates deeply with everyone else, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I'm really, really grateful for you being here. Thank you. Thank you for the
2: opportunity.
0: Oh, thank you. And uh, I ask my listeners, I tell them how grateful I am for them, tuning in every other Friday. And I ask to share the information you've received if you think it will help somebody else. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you.